This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Consider the tassels of the righteous. I know it's very grandiose. <laughs> you'll, not, you'll not be impressed whenever you get to the end of it all. The tassels of the righteous, and we're going to lift up the name of the Lord. Just through this last week, I've, I've, had a, I've had a burden on my soul that we should be lifting up the name of the Lord. We should be lifting him high. And Jason spoke about it, about it this morning. We, we were considering it in the prayer meeting on Thursday night. He must be lifted high. Hallelujah. When he says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. What this world needs is the Lord to be lifted high. We need to lift him high, not just on a Sunday. We, need, we just don't need to be Christians and believers on a Sunday, on the Sabbath only. We need to be believers every minute, every second, every hour. We need to live for him every hour and we need to lift him high. Hallelujah every hour. Blessed be his name. Heavenly Father, as we come into your most holy presence, we bless you and we praise you for who you are. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, tonight that you are the most high God. We bless you, mighty God, tonight that you are our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, and hallelujah, our coming King. We bless you, sovereign God, tonight you are our all in all. We thank you, Lord, for this day, this Lord's day. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here in this place. And we would ask you, Lord, tonight, as we come to the end of this day, that you would be in our midst, hallelujah, that you would be, Lord, in your word, that as we break, Lord, your word, we ask you, mighty God, that you would feed us. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you would pour yourself into us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, Lord, tonight that you would set us on fire. We bless you, Lord, and we praise you that we believe in Pentecost fire. Hallelujah. And we ask you, Lord, tonight to be real in this place tonight. Come, mighty God, Lord, and fill this place. Come, mighty Savior, and fill these vessels all for your honor, all for your glory, and all for your praises. And all God's people said... Amen. Hallelujah. Let's turn in the scriptures to Numbers chapter 15, uh, verse 37. Um, tonight, we're going to be considering the 613 commandments in the book of the Torah. We had, oh, this is a We had a pastor one night. It was a night like this. It was boiling, absolutely boiling. And he got up and he says, tonight I have 20 points in my sermon. You could hear the sighs. You could see all the shoulders dropping. Thankfully, he got through them fairly quickly. Thankfully, and you can thank the Lord for this, I don't have 613 points. But within the Torah, there are 613 commandments. We, as a New Testament church, we, as a New Covenant church, are inclined not to look to the Old Testament. We're inclined to say, oh, we're under days of grace. Uh, we don't need 613 commandments. We don't even need the Ten Commandments. And by the way, the Ten Commandments are in those 613. All we need is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart and love our neighbors ourselves. But these scriptures, these 613 commandments, are there for us. The Lord is in, the Lord Jesus is in every part of this book. He's not just in the New Testament. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the Lord Jesus is there in every scripture, in every chapter, and in every verse. He's there, and he sets his teaching in these, in these Old Testament scriptures just as much as he sets the teaching in the New Testament scriptures. We have to remember, beloved, as a New Testament church, we are branched into Abraham. We are the new branch, hallelujah. But we're branched into Abraham. We're the branch that's producing fruit at the minute, 
praise God. But we are still branched through Abraham. We are branched into the old covenant through Abraham into the Lord. Hallelujah. And so tonight, let's come and look at Numbers 15 and consider what the Lord has to speak to us. Tonight, we really want to lift up Jesus. I want to consider these tassels, one of the 613 commandments. Uh, is that you should, we're tassels and we're going to read it now. And we want to consider the tassels and we want to see the Lord Jesus in those tassels. Praise God. Verse 37, Numbers 15. And again, the Lord spake to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and put a blue thread in the tassels of the corner. And you shall have a tassel that you may look upon it and remember the commandments of the Lord and do them, that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, that you may remember and do all the commandments and be holy unto your God. For I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Even in that first line, the Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord God of all creation chose to speak to Moses. If the Lord can speak to Moses back then, he can speak to us now. Our God is not a God who is, is, is dumb. Our God is not a God who cannot speak. He speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through his word. And, and just the same as he spoke to Moses through these commandments, he's speaking to us now. And would that we would listen to the sound of the Lord. Would that we would listen to the voice of the Lord every minute and every second of the day. So the instruction was that the children of Israel should make tassels, tzitzit, T-Z-I-T, Z-I-T is the Hebrew, on the corners of their garments, and put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners, two of the 16 commandments. First of all, they should have a tassel in the corners of their garments, and secondly, that tassel should have a blue thread. To make it different, we'll see later on, um, many nobles and kings had tassels on the bottom of their garments. It wasn't unnatural. It was unnatural for normal, common people to have tassels in the corners of their garments. It, it wasn't uncommon for nobles and princes to have blue within their garments. It was uncommon for normal, common, everyday people to have blue because blue was an extremely uh, expensive dye. The background to this, the Lord had decided that he was going to sanctify his people for his service. And he wanted to set them apart, and he was going to sanctify them by giving them commandments. And he was going to set, us, set them apart, and he wanted them to come, and he knew their hearts. They were a fickle people. And in, in Exodus 32, they had, they had set up a golden calf. They weren't happy with the Lord, so they said to them, what they, in fact they were saying was, let's make our own God. A God that we can control. A God that we can decide when we want to worship, how we want to worship, and even if we want to worship. We'll make ourselves a God. Who is this God? And, and how do we know he brought us out of Egypt? And who is this Moses? And where is he anyway? Let's get Aaron to make ourselves a golden calf, a God of man's hands. Our God cannot be constrained by man's hands. Our God will not be constrained by what way we feel at any time, at any particular time. He won't be constrained by the fact that we just don't feel like worshiping some Sunday morning. He won't be constrained by the fact that we don't want to go to, to prayer meeting on a Thursday night. He won't be constrained in any way like that. He's not a God made of, God, of men's hands. He is the high and exalted one, hallelujah. He's not a God that we can control. So he set these commandments and he set these 613 commandments, 365 of the commandments, by the way, were you shall not, and 248 were you shall. 
So we're going to look at some of the shalls tonight. He set these commandments in them so that they would remember. What was the instruction? The instruction was that you remember and do all the commandments and be holy unto your God. The outpouring of this was that from that moment on, all the children of Israel were different to everybody else that they came in encounter with because they had four tassels on their garments. Initially, it was that um, they would have just sewn them in to the bottom of whatever robe they had, whatever clothes they had. There was nothing in particular. Over a period of time, though, uh, a garment called a tallit, T-A-L-L-I-T, came into being. And initially, it was just uh, a long oblong with a hole in the center for a head. You put it over your head, and it came down, and it was probably tied over your undergarments. Uh, talit means covering. Uh, it sometimes it's called talit, uh, talit, talus, and it's, it comes from the same der derivation as, as tabernacle, a covering. It couldn't be worn as an undergarment. It must be worn as an overgarment, a covering. And in the bottom of those four, and the corners of those garments, you would have put a tassel with a blue thread. So that's two commandments. Um, gradually, and that went right up to the Lord's Day. Um, Daniel, when he stood in the lion's den, would have had his talent on. And it would have had four tassels. The Lord himself had a talent. The, whenever Saul met the Lord on the road to Damascus, because he was a good Jew, he'd been wearing his talent and he had the four tassels. And gradually over a period of time, though, that sort of practice uh, vanished because dress changed. And now there are two forms of the talent. A talent katan. If you've ever seen pictures of um, Orthodox Jews, um, you'll see two small tassels hanging down in the front, just under their shirt. Those are coming from a talit katan. It's like a t-shirt. And it goes not next to the skin. It has to be something between the skin and the talit, uh, like a, a vest or whatever Orthodox Jews wear. Um, and, and they pull the tassels out, and the tassels are there as a signification to the world. First of all, to them, with every... With every covenant, it works two ways. So whenever they looked at these tassels, they saw and remembered the commandments of the Lord. But whenever other people looked at them, they saw the glory and the majesty of the Lord. The Jews, the Jews were called to be a people, not just an insular people as they are, but they were called to a people who carries the Lord's name and the Lord's word to the whole nations. But they failed in that. They failed in that because they were a fickle people, and they failed in that because they were too, became too insular, and they became too proud. And nowadays, there's, there's no outreach from the Jewish nation, but one day there will be. Um, so the Talith Katan, the tassels coming down at the front and the back. The other version today is the Talith Gadol, the Jewish prayer shawl. It's always good to have props, isn't it? <laughs> That's of the work. At least electronic ones, can we? <laughs> so this is my Talith Gadol. Uh, a Jewish prayer shawl. This particular Jewish prayer shawl is a Masonic. Messianic Jewish prayer shawl. You can tell that. If you, I don't know, you'll, know, you'll never see this. It has a menorah, the Megan David, and the fish. The fish for the new covenant, the Megan David, the star of David, for the old covenant, and the menorah, indicating that we are all branched into Christ, indicating that we have all a root in Jesus Christ. At the top of the, of the tallet is the crown, and it has the blessing. This is the blessing. Every time the uh, talit is worn, the blessing must be said. 
It's not good. Because <laughs> I have to say the blessing. <laughs> so, in each corner of the, the tallet as well, you have the tassels. And we'll look at those in a bit of detail in a wee minute. Before the tallet is worn, the instruction are, the rabbinical instruction is, that the tallet must be placed over the shoulder, and the tassels are all checked. First of all, to make sure they're there, the uh, instruction is, and the teaching is, if, if, you're, if a tassel is torn, if the tallet is ripped, it can't be used, it can't be re-sewn. One of those old Jewish instructions. The tallet itself, oops, sorry, the tallet itself isn't that important. The most important thing are the tassels. Um, for instance, the color of the, of the tallet doesn't matter. There's no instructions as to the color. Uh, and back in biblical times, in Moses' times, the Levitical tribe, for instance, their tallet was blood red with a black stripe and a white stripe down each side, and then the tassels down at the bottom. Um, today, you can have sort of little lace tallets for ladies. You can have pink tallets, you can have all different colors, you can have pure white ones, it doesn't matter. The most important thing are the tassels, the seat seat. Um, before, as I said, before the, the, the tallet is worn, the blessing must be said. And the blessing goes something like this. Adonai, Elohenu, Malek Alolem, Asher Kadashu, Bumitzvotaf, Vistuvanu, Dalit Latef, Basitzit. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has commanded us to wear tassels and has sanctified us through his commandments. Praise God. <laughs> That's a hard bit over. <laughs> Praise God. See if I can get this on now. Put it on that way. So, this, as I say, is a messianic believer's talent. Um, Jewish tallets are slightly bigger. They're worn uh, on most days for prayer, uh, including Yom Kippur. Uh, but there's no instruction for us as believers. There's no instruction that we should continue to wear a tallet. In fact, as we see later on, we don't need to wear a tallet. But some believers do. Um, I don't wear this one all the time. You can ask Lilibet. You don't see me walking around the house with my fresh all on. <laughs> I think the neighbors would be a bit sort of, oh, what's he up to? Uh, sitting with a little kippa on and the prayer shawl and all on. <laughs> but tonight we're going to see Christ in each one of these tassels. The tassels themselves. The tassels were individual. There was instruction as to the number of knots. And there's instruction as to the number of threads. And there's instruction as to the number of times it's wound round. But the, the way the knots are tied and the type of, of tying in the knots is individual to individual family. So for instance, if you were to find a tassel line somewhere, a, a seat seat line somewhere, it's possible that you could track it back to the particular tribe. It's also possible that you could possibly track it back to the particular family because they had uh, a way of tying the knots. So whenever a, a boy reached the age of 13, or some, in some Jewish cultures whenever he got married, his father would have tied the seat seat for him. And he would have tied the knots in the particular tradition of his family and the particular tradition of his tribe. 
There are always five knots. Top knot, one, two, three, four, five. By the way, if, you, if you're interested in this, I'll leave us up at the front after, and you can come and have a look at it, a closer look at it. I was going to get a picture up on, uh, on the screen, but technology never works. It never works, so I mean, there's no point in trying it. <laughs> and then there's eight white threads made of wool, one blue thread. Remember it said in, in Numbers 15 there has to be a blue thread? Eight white threads, one blue thread. And the blue thread is wrapped around in between the knots. So you tie the knot, the eight, the eight woolen uh, threads in a knot. Then you take the blue thread and you wrap it around seven times, first time, then another knot. Then eight times, and then another knot. And then 11 times, and then another knot. And finally, 13 times, and the final knot. And it's only the top third of the seat seat that must be tied. There must be two thirds of the threads hanging loose, and we'll come to that later on as well. Everybody happy? There'll be a test afterwards now. <laughs> so five knots, the number of windings, seven, eight, 11, 13. Amen. Okay. Let's, uh, let's look first of all at Leviticus 17. Turn back with me to Leviticus 17, please. Uh, and we'll look at verse 11. Uh, and while you're looking that up, by the way, the, the material, uh, the seat seat, the, the tassels, are always made of wool. And in general, the tallet, the material itself, is linen. Um, it can be all sorts of things, but generally, it's linen. Leviticus 17, verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. It is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Hallelujah. The woolen threads speak of the Lamb of God. They speak of the sacrificial lamb. Um, rabbinical teaching says that the wool, to make up the woolen threads, whenever a father makes his son his first seat seat, mustn't come from the floor. They must be taken directly from the lamb itself. Uh, and that's in Deuteronomy. So these threads speak of sacrifice, they speak of purity, and they speak of access. In Exodus 38, the Tamad lamb, the sacrificial lamb that's sacrificed every day on the altar in the morning and in the evening, there would be a lamb, the Tamad lamb, T-A-M-I-D, sacrificed. This speaks of that lamb. It speaks of sacrifice. It speaks of, of atonement for the sins of the people. It also speaks of the Passover lamb. It speaks of the blood being put on the doorposts of the houses to protect from the death angel. <laughs> It speaks of the lamb that the Lord provided whenever Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac. And it speaks of the Lord God. Hallelujah. Of all the names that we give our Lord, the most beautiful name is Lamb of God. Because it speaks of his purity. The one who was without sin, who left the glories of heaven for us, that we might be made free, that we might have access to God. It speaks of his sacrifice. He was willing to lay down his life for us on Calvary. He was willing to leave the glories of heaven for us, that we might have access to God. It speaks of new life that we have in Jesus Christ. It speaks of access that we have in Jesus Christ. We need no other intercessor, hallelujah. We need no other way. We need 
need no other, no other person to come before God. We have the Lamb of God. Glory to his name. Blessed be his name. And because he is the Lamb of God, he is the sin bearer. Without the Lamb of God, there would be no atonement for sin. Whenever we consider the scriptures, whenever we consider the, the, the animals that, that, that were sacrificed or, or killed in order that Adam and Eve might have a covering, whenever we consider all the way through these scriptures, sin demands a blood sacrifice. And sin demanded a blood sacrifice from the Lord himself. And these woolen threads, these eight woolen threads, speak of the blood sacrifice. They speak of the wonderful Lamb of God. And we ask, and we come tonight, and when we consider this, we remember that one day, one day the Lamb of God in Revelation 5 will open up, Revelation 5 will open up the seals. And all the saints from all glory, and all the saints that have gone before will sing, Worthy is the Lamb. What a song that will be. Hallelujah. All our loved ones that have gone before us will stand beside us. All our loved ones that have, that have, that have gone before us will be there and will sing together, Worthy is the Lamb. All the angels of glory will sing as well, Worthy is the Lamb. All nations will bow down before him. And we... I was just thinking this week, my mother passed away, went to glory 15 years ago today. She's going to be standing beside me whenever we sing Worthy is the Lamb. All your loved ones are going to be standing beside you. And I was just thinking what my mother would say. She'll say, Gary, would you keep quiet? <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, just like Lilibet, for some reason she thinks that I'm a bit noisy on it. I don't know why. But that day... That day, when we're all together, what a sound that will be, hallelujah. No football match will ever be compared with that. There will be a sound that the, that the world has never heard when the, the saints from all time and all the angels of glory sing, worthy is the Lamb, hallelujah. I told you before that this, the tallet was made of linen as well. There's a general instruction within Deuteronomy 22 that says, it's one of the other commandments, that says you shall not have garments that are made of linen and wool. There's only two, uh, two garments that you're allowed in exclusion to that. One, the high priest garments. The high priest garments are a mixture of linen and wool. And the second garment is the talent. Um, linen speaks of priesthood. It speaks of service. So two together, these two together, the linen and the wool in this prayer shawl speak of our service. It speaks of our ministry for the Lord. It speaks of his love for us, the Lamb of God. It speaks of all that he's done for us. It speaks of all that we do for him. Uh, there's, a, there's a verse in Exodus 19, if you just want to turn back to it. It's Exodus 19, verse, verse 5. says, now therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Hallelujah. This seat, seat, this tassel speaks of our service for the Lord. It speaks of what we must be doing for him. We must be ministering, we must be worshiping, and we must be outreaching for him. Hallelujah. Uh, first, what's it, second Peter, first Peter two and nine says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That's echoed back there in that verse we've just read back in, in, in Exodus 19. 
It's the new covenant and the old covenant come together. The Lord made his people a special treasure in all the earth. He made his people a kingdom of priests. The Lord Jesus has made us a royal priesthood. Hallelujah. The blue thread. Uh, so there are eight woolen threads. They speak of the Lamb of God. The blue thread uh, is called the Tekelet. Um, the Tekelet is the name of the thread, and it's also the name of the color. The color, a pastor did a series, oh, it must be about three or four years ago, on the high priest garments. Oh, my pressure is all ruffled. Um, and he spoke about this blue color. He spoke about how it was derived. Uh, now, this particular color is synthetic, um, and it's a little bit too dark. The color as described is actually a color of the sky opposite a full sun, the tacolette. Now that's a sort of a light sort of bluish color. This is a little bit too dark, but it's a synthetic. Uh, the, the actual nature of the dye has been lost. Um, it's believed it came from the glands of a snail in the Aegean Sea. It was very, very rare. Do you remember Lydia in the, in the New Testament, a seller of purple? It was very easy to get um, uh, natural colored dyes like reds and browns and yellows and all that sort of color. It was very, very hard to get blues. How do you make purple? You mix blue and red. So Lydia was a seller of purple, but she was also a seller of blue. She traded in this blue dye, and she was probably one of the most wealthy persons in and around that, uh, that area, because the Romans craved purple. They craved that imperial purple, and they craved blue. This blue speaks of kingship. It speaks of royalty, because it was only royalty, and nobles could actually afford the blue dye. Um, the, the high priest garments, were, the majority of the high priest garments were blue. They stuck out. They were different from everybody else. The, everybody else was wearing sort of browns and dulls and all. A lot of you are wearing blues tonight and things. That wouldn't have happened. It was all sort of dull colors. The only, the only bright colors, the only blues, were the high priests and royalty. Um, the, the blue itself, the, the actual dye itself, the, the nature of how to make up the dye has been lost. Um, and recently, um, Israeli scientists think they have found the little snail. Now, I can't remember its name. It begins with a name, and it's all sort of Latin and all this sort of thing. They think that they have found the snail again. And this is a sign to those Orthodox Jews that the Messiah is coming, because this speaks of heaven. It speaks of the king of kings. It speaks of the Messiah, this blue color. Um, and Orthodox Jews, but whenever I send those Orthodox Jews with the talit uh, katan, the little small talit with the white, they don't actually have blue in, this, in the seat seat, in their tassels. They believe they're still waiting for the Messiah. They believe that the Messiah is coming and they won't put blue into the seat seat in their tassels until the Messiah comes. Praise God, we know the Messiah has come. Hallelujah. We live for the Messiah. We live in Masonic days. We bless his, bless his name. We can wear a lovely blue color because we know that the King is here. We know the King of Kings. Glory to his name. Um, uh, in... In those days, uh, the majority of people couldn't afford blue. So what the Lord had, was dictating whenever the this, this second part of this commandment said, you shall put a blue thread in the seat seat in the tassels of your garments, he was, saying to be, he was saying to this people that you'll be different from every other nation on the earth. Every other nation, 
that it's only their princes and nobles have blue within their garments. Every other nation can't afford to have blue within their garments. What I'm going to do with you, I'm going to pour in my grace and my treasure into you, and you will be a treasure to me, and you'll be a royal people in all the earth. And whenever people see you and they see the tassels on you and they see the blue, they'll know that I am your God. They'll know that I am the King of Kings. They'll know that you're a royal priesthood. They'll know that you're a special treasure unto me. Whenever we go into this world, beloved, we need to shine for the Lord. We don't have tassels that are hanging around us, but we need to shine. We need to let the Lord shine in us and shine through us. We need to let those that we come into contact with know that we are a special treasure unto him, a royal priesthood. We need to let everyone know that we are different. We are not of this world anymore. We belong to the king, hallelujah. We need to realize that we have a spiritual tassel that's hanging on us and it's blue all the way through, glory to his name. He has poured in his mercy and his grace into our lives. He has poured in all of himself into our lives and he has made us a royal priesthood. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Um, King of Kings is, the term King of Kings is a lovely term, but it's only used six times in the scriptures. Once for God the Father in 1 Timothy, uh, twice in Revelation for the Lord Jesus, once in Revelation 17, once in Revelation 19. And the other three times, interestingly, are for Artaxerxes and Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament. These old pagan kings, because they ruled uh, nations and, and empires that were so big that they ruled kings, they referred to themselves as king of kings. Blessed be his name. If they say they're king of kings, our Lord is the king of the king of kings. Glory, hallelujah. Blessed be his name. One day every knee will bow before him. We will come, beloved, and we'll come to the Bema throne. We'll set our crowns at his feet and we'll cry redeemed. One glorious day, we have that certainty. We have that certainty that we will be in his presence. We have that certainty that we will lift up his name. We'll bow before him. But all nations will bow. All the kings from before time, all the old dictators will bow before the king of kings. Those who sneer at you in your work and those who laugh at you behind your back will bow before the King of Kings. They will acknowledge him as Lord of all. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that my God is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Isaiah says that he will bring the princes to nothing. Every, everybody that thinks themselves as something special in this world will bow before the King of Kings. Prime ministers, presidents will all bow before my King of Kings because he wears the tackleet. Hallelujah. Let's turn to 1 Samuel verse 24. I told you that princes and nobles, it was common practice for them to wear tassels, to wear seat seat. It was part, it was their authority. Whenever a, a king uh, made a declaration, he'd have had tassels, maybe many more than four, at the bottom of the corners of his garments, and he'd have held up the tassel, 
And when he made the declaration, he'd have been holding the tassel because that was his authority. When they made a declaration, it was common practice for them to take one of the tassels from the bottom of their robes and press it into the wax or press it into the clay on the declaration. This speaks of the authority of God. This little verse that we're going to look up now, uh, 1 Samuel 24, let's start at first, bottom half of verse 4. Then the men of David said to him, this is the day which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hands, that's King Saul, that you may do to him as it seems good. And David rose early secretly and cut the corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened that afterwards David's heart troubled him because he had cut the corner of Saul's robe. Cutting the corner off any garment, would, you would think, well, what, what difference does that make? It's just a bit, it's a bit of a garment. You have to realize that what David cut off was Saul's seat seat. He cut off one of the tassels. He cut off one of the royal tassels. Saul, a good Jew, would have still worn tassels. They'd have maybe had a lot more blue in it than that because he was rich and he could afford. And, and, and his, his talent that he wore would have had a lot more blue in it and it would have been kingly and it maybe had gold in it like this as well, woven through it. It was still a, tap, a, a, a seat seat. He still had to follow the commandment. And what David did was he, he recognized that this was the authority of the king. And he got... He got influenced by his men because David in his heart of hearts knew that Saul was the Lord's anointed at that time. David in his heart of hearts said he was in his cave. At that stage, if you remember, he was in the cave. He was hiding in the cave. Paul or Saul came in and David sort of came up behind him. And while, while he was resting, he cut the corner. He cut the authority off Saul's robe. What he was doing, he was removing the authority of the king. And that's why the scriptures say that he, he regretted it immediately afterwards because he had, he had taken the authority away from the Lord's anointed. Now, Saul knew all about that because he had also, back in, back in 1 Samuel 15, if you remember, Saul decided that he was going to take on the role of a priest as well as a king. And Samuel came in and rebuked him. And as Samuel was leaving, Saul grabbed the end, grabbed the tassel on, or Saul grabbed the tassel on Samuel's uh, talent and ripped it and torn it. And Samuel turned round to him and said, this day shall your authority be taken away from you. This day, because you have torn the talent, uh, your authority will be torn from you. So all the way through scriptures, these tassels speak of the authority. They speak of the Lord of Lords, Ruth and Boaz. If you remember, whenever Ruth came in to sleep at Boaz's feet, uh, Boaz woke up and there was, as, as the scriptures say, the maid lying at his feet. And, and he said to her, what are you doing here? And he says, just cover me with your tassel, Lord. Just cover me with your authority. Just cover me with the bottom of your robe and I'll know that I'm under your protection. All the way through scripture, the tassels, the seat seats speak of authority. Whenever we come to the Lord, the scriptures say, if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we will be saved. We confess it in salvation. We confess it in our lives. We look at our lives and we, and we see the authority he has. He, we confess his authority over the church. We say that the very gates of hell will not stand against the church of God. It all speaks about the authority of the Lord. He is the Lord of Lords and he is the King of Kings. He has authority over all things. In the New Testament, authority is exousia. It's a gifting. Uh, exousia means, in, in, in Greek it means, the gift from one individual to another. When we came and we accepted Christ, 
we were given the authority of God in our lives. It's an absolute authority. We were given the authority of God in our lives. In in essence, what we were doing, if we had a a spiritual tassel on, we were given the king's tassel. His authority was in our hands. So when we make a declaration, when we pray, when we stand up and when we declare his name, in essence, in in spiritual terms, we're holding the tassel of authority and we're standing in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Our God has authority over all things. Our God has authority over sickness and disease. Our God has authority over death and hell. Our God has authority over family situations. He's authority over nature and is the authority over all, uh, all things in this earth, including all principalities and powers. Hallelujah. He is the Lord of Lords, glory to his name. And he has given us that authority as well. He has given us that authority, that absolute authority, glory to his name. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. I knew I had to get into the New Testament at some stage. So we'll come back to the tassel. So we've seen... That the wool speaks of the Lamb of God. It speaks of his sacrifice. It speaks of his purity. The tacolette, the blue, speaks of his kingship. The whole tassel itself speaks of his authority as Lord of Lords. And now we're going to look at Almighty God. This little story in Matthew 9 is of the lady with the issue of blood. And we'll just break in at Matthew chapter 9, verse 20. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garments. For she said, if I only may touch the hem of his garments, I will be made well. I believe this woman recognized the authority in the Messiah. I believe this woman believed in the power of God. And I believe this woman knew the word of the Lord. Malachi 4 and 1 says, he shall come with healing in his wings. The word wings is seat seat. The Messiah will come with healing in his tassels. Hallelujah. This woman believed that. This woman remembered that. And in fact, more so, the power of the Lord, the name of the Lord is in this tassel. Let's have a look. Do you remember how many windings there were? There were seven, eight, 11, 13. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> so in... In Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I've never been to Bible college, I I don't know. In Hebrew, Hebrew is a literal language as well as a numerical language. So every character in Hebrew has a number. Every word has a numerical value as well. So these numbers, so seven and eight are 15. If you take 15 and take a break it down into a constituent, now it gets complicated now, so you're all looking at me going, where's this fella going with this? (laughs) Trust me, it'll get there in the end. Eight, uh, uh, seven, eight, or 15, 10 and 5. 10 is the numerical value of the word Yah, Yud. Uh, 5 is He. The bottom one is uh, 11. Split 11 up into 6 and 5. 5 is He, remember? So Yud, He, Wah, He, Yahweh. The name of the Most High God is in the bands of this tassel. Whenever, whenever, Uh, a Jewish person wore this and looked upon this, he saw the name of the Most High God. He saw that the Lord was with him. He saw the Lord was in every situation. And more than that, 13 is the numerical number for one, or for the the name one, El Had. 
you remember the, the, the Shema? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This tassel is the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai El Had. This lady recognized, this lady recognized that there was healing in the name of the Lord. This really recognized and reached out in faith. And what did she reach for? She reached what Malachi, uh, uh, Malachi said in 4 and 1. It says, he will come with healing in his wings. He, she was reaching out for the tassels on the Lord's talent. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. She reached out in faith. She reached out to touch his identity. She reached out to touch his purity. So she was reaching out and believing in the name of the Lord. This tassel says the Lord is one. If only, if only our loved ones came to realization that the Lord is one, that there is one Savior, that there is one Redeemer, that there is one King, that there is one Lord above all lords, that there is salvation in none other, there is healing in none other, there is deliverance in none other. If they only realize this, then this world would be a different place. But they're blinded by the enemy. Praise God, we recognize that when the Lord give us deciding grace, we recognize that there is salvation in none other. We need not run to any other. This woman had, had ran to physicians all of her life. She spent most of her earnings on physicians. I was, I was thinking through the week, and up to now, and even you know, whenever you were young and in Sunday school, you always pictured her as sort of an old, stooped-over woman. I don't know whether she was or not, really, whenever I think about it. It says she has an issue of blood for 12 years, but she might have been sort of in her early, late 20s, maybe early 30s. But no matter what, she came to the Lord. I believe... I believe she actually came, and this was at the bottom of the Lord's talent. Remember, this was down on the ground. It wasn't that she could just reach out. It wasn't just that she could come up, Lord, and touch him around his shoulders. She had to get down at his feet. We need to get down at his feet, beloved. We need to show reverence to the King of Kings. I believe she actually knelt down. It, you know, you see pictures, and I had a... Uh, an old Bible, like a children's Bible, and I showed you a picture of her, and she was all bent over and stooped over, and she was reaching down. I don't believe she was like that. I believe she was bent over because she was showing due reverence to the name of the Lord and the word of the Lord. She believed that there, this was the Messiah, this was the coming King, this was this was the one who would deliver her. This was the one in an instant who would change her and change her completely from all time. This was the one that would deliver her from this issue of blood, and this was the one that carry her into glory. Hallelujah. Um, I told you, uh, we spoke about sort of um, authority and, uh, and it being absolute. Power isn't absolute. We have an absolute authority in Christ. When we were, when we were saved, he poured in his authority into our, into our lives. Our power is different. Do you remember whenever the Lord sent out the disciples and, he said, and, and they came back and said, well, we, we, we came upon a sort of, we tried to sort of cast out a demon and this particular demon we couldn't do. And he says, well, some only come out by, by fasting and by prayer. They had the power of God. He, they had the commission of the living God to go out but they didn't have the power. They weren't living their lives right. Our power in Christ, our dynamis in Christ is based on our walk in Christ. It's, it, it's not like absolute authority. We need to be living for Christ if we want to be effectual believers for Christ. We want, need to be living for Christ every minute and every second of the day. We need to make sure our tassels are there and we know that we have tassels on us. We know that we are the redeemed of the Lord. We know that we have the Lamb of God living in us. We know that we have the Holy Spirit within us. We know that we have Christ poured out and we are clothed with Christ. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name. One third of the seed seat is tied. The rest's open. 
and that speaks of the Great Commission. The, the, the Jewish nation had this commission to reach out and to touch the nations of the earth, and they failed. We have a Great Commission. We have a Great Commission to reach out. I was reading this week uh, a rabbi's teaching on the two-thirds. And he says, it's like the shore of a sea if you're standing on a beach. This is his teaching to, to, to some Jewish believers. He says you need to reach out. His teaching was they needed to reach out. You're standing on the shore of a great sea and you have an ability to reach out and deliver the name of the Lord, as he was saying, into those nations. Praise God, we have, we have people like Richard Gunning and Richie on reach, reaching out. It's good to have missionaries. Richie's just back reaching out. Hallelujah. Um, Claire is reaching out. Becky is reaching out into the schools. We have a great commission. We need to reach out. We need to realize that the bottom two-thirds of the seat seat, the spiritual seat seat that we were, the spiritual tassels that we were, are open. They're not tied in knots. They're open for us to reach out into our families. They're open for us to reach out into our communities, into our workplaces, and into this world. And when we reach out, when we realize that we are clothed with the power and the authority of God, when we realize that when we pray, we pray with the authority of God, when we realize that when we witness, we witness with the authority of God. When we realize that we go, when we go in the authority of God, then this world will be a different place. Hallelujah. We're a, we're a church. We, we sometimes think, uh, I was thinking back, you know, thinking, oh, those, 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 those Israelites and, and the, the, Moses had only gone up the mountain for a short time and they'd forgotten about their Lord. Sometimes it's like that in the church. Sometimes it's for us, we're, we're Sunday believers and that's it. And whenever we come, we try to make God in our own way. They try to make a golden calf. We try to make God in our own way. It's not possible. We need to follow the commandments of the Lord, not follow our own commandments or follow what we want or what we desire or what we feel like on a particular day. Um, finally, uh, you all love that, don't you? Finally, <laughs> finally, um, I got asked one time, you know, um, do you think believers should wear a talent today. I believe, I don't believe there's any teaching that we shouldn't. Um, and some believers, some believers I, that, that we know in ICEJ circles, for instance, do. Um, but I believe that we have no calling to wear any, any ritual garments. We're beyond ritual garments, hallelujah. We are clothed in Christ. And Galatians 3.27 says, when we put on Christ, we were clothed in Christ. He is our ritual garments. He is the Lamb of God. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of God, Lords, and He is Almighty God. Hallelujah. So as we go into this week, remember the seat seat. Remember the tassel. The wolves speaking of the Lamb of God, the blue speaking of his kingship. The whole tassel speaking of his authority and the Shema written within it. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Elhad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.